truth of what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think in the old days, you know, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better, and less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb and nothing. Our education system has mined our minds in the way that we strip-mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 28 of China Education, where we talk of course about all things education related. In this episode, I want to sway off the beaten track so to speak and look at the topic of literacy, the ability to read and write, and in particular reading. Apart from allowing our children or students to have fun, helping them to become literate in a particular language is of huge importance, I'm sure you'd agree, and in my mind provides the essential fertile soil of which our great minds of tomorrow will germinate, grow, learn, evolve and create in. To me, reading is to literacy what baked beans are to a good English cooked breakfast. The key to literacy is reading development, a progression of skills that begins with the ability to understand spoken words and decode written words and culminates in the deep understanding of text. In other words, without hot baked beans, a cooked English breakfast just doesn't make sense. You may as well just have a bowl of Frosties and be done with it. So, whether you be a teacher, parent or both, this episode is sure to be of interest in giving you some extra food for thought as you head into your next class or come home from work and get a nice big hug from your son or daughter or from all of them at once. In this episode, I want to explore questions such as how can I get my child or student to improve their reading skills? What are factors in helping to open a young person's mind to the beauty of reading and the stardust that this most important skill may lay upon them? Can babies learn to read? Are only some born and built with innate magic to make them read a novel in only one day? Or can we all do it? Now to gain some perspective on trying to find and understand the answers to these rather tricky questions, I decided that I needed a helper, or should I say in scientific terms, a subject that I could use, prod, poke, and test to gain some sort of, oh that podcast wasn't a complete waste of time insight. So for my reading experiment, I stayed close to home and picked my eldest son Zachariah, who at the tender age of just six earth years, coupled with an extraordinarily amazing ability to read English, stood up tall and shouted, I'll help you, Dad, as long as you get me some sweets. So I found my donkey, I led him to a quiet library with some sugared carrots, and thus the episode begins. A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. George R. R. Martin, The Dance of Babylon's. So in the studio with me now is my oldest son and heir, Zachariah Bradshaw. How you doing, Zach? Fine. And now we had you last on, didn't we, in the China Jedi show quite a few years ago now. I think you were, how old were you when you did that? Four. Four, yeah. 
I think the, the episode was Sons of Anarchy, if anyone's interested in, in uh, listening to that. Um, and please go to Sons of Anarchy episode. I think it was episode four or something, wasn't it? But anyway, it's great to have you in here. And of course, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because you have a very special um, ability in reading. And I want to explore that with our listeners um, more, Zach. So I have a few questions for you. Would you allow me to ask you them? Okay, wonderful. So the first question is, what do you think are the reasons why you read so well, Zach? Just be totally honest. Well, my, I don't really know the truth, but my mum and dad told me that um, ever since I was, what, one, two, I could, that there was a bunch of words, two words, and my dad told me one word, and I, and I had to put my hand on it, and he said that, the time ever since I've done that, I've been reading. So when you were young, independently, I think you were talking about the flashcards we used to do with you, yeah. Yeah. So, was there anything else like do you think your mummy and daddy did to help you with your reading? When you remember when you were young, like you've mentioned the flashcards, did you do anything else? Oh, baby can read. Ah, baby can read. What's that about? Animals and teaching you words and colours. But on the colours part, I failed because I'm colour blind now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you have a problem with, with a couple of colours, don't you? That's genetic. You can't do anything about that. It's from your mother's side. Um, God bless her. Um, uh, but, but, yeah, so you mentioned Baby Can Read. And, of course, that was a... Uh, to all the listeners that don't know that, that is a, um, a Baby Learn to Read. It's a DVD set done by a, an American professor. And you sit your child down. They have to be at least three months old for two times a day, 20 minutes a day, and they watch this video, which has some words, doesn't it? Like a word bank and animals and songs. And you start to, I'd like to say, be hypnotized by it. I think that's what happens. And by the age of about one, you actually started to recognize the patterns in the words, didn't you? This is what we believe. Um, so we're trying on this on all of our children. And until really they get to a reading age, I think we, we, we don't have enough data to suggest that it very much is this baby learn to read uh, DVD set that's helped. Some children can learn all of the words faster than others. Some can't. Some maybe fail on the colour test like me. Yeah. yeah. Which is very unlikely. Well, but what you're saying is everyone learns differently, don't they? Which I think is very true. But you seem to have learned reading and the patterns of words very, very well, which is why we've got you on here today. Now, what about your teachers? How have they helped in your reading, do you think? Because you said, you know, your mummy and daddy... Just let me read books. Okay. Of course, you can't read books if you don't know how to read, can you? Yeah. Um, we can't. So I really want to try and focus on the time when you were beginning to read, how it happened. We've got the Baby Learn DVD set. We've got mummy and daddy helping you with flashcards. And I remember we had a whole wall, didn't we, of flashcards when you were young. Uh, across the, the, the corridor. Ah, yes. Which, which took me a long time to put up and um, I'm sure the landlord didn't like the fact when I took them down, <laughs> took most of the paint off. So there was that, so it's again creating an environment of words and patterns around you, um, which I think of course can only help uh, feed you with um, reading ability. Uh, let's go to this, I think, a really important thing. Do you enjoy reading, Zach? What do you enjoy about it? 
funny parts, that's basically all. So you enjoy funny books? But you read other types of books, right? Um, yeah. 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 Yes, so, yeah. But what do you like to read apart from funny books? Comics. Comics. Anything else? Um. Well, you read a lot of those Diary of a Wimpy Kid books, don't you? Yeah. Are they funny, are they? Yeah, because they have pictures and um, handwriting. At the same time, that's what basically makes me keep it entertained. I mean, I have to say, you literally... Like funny words. I say to my students, you literally um, sleep on books. Because sometimes I come up to your bunk bed and you've got so many books that you lie on. <coughs> I, I say to you to tidy them up, don't I? But you seem to just cover yourself in books. Maybe the words metaphysically go into your brain while you're sleeping in your dreams. Maybe that's how you've learned, you've come to read so well. I take that as uh, not agreeing with me then. Um, so also, many times I come in to say goodnight to you, and I say goodnight, and I come back in just to check, and you're under the cover with your torch reading, aren't you? It's very difficult for me to tell you to turn the torch off and go to sleep because for me that just shows how much you enjoy reading. Am I right? Mm-hmm. So I, I find that difficult because I always suggest read, 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 especially more than play, play, play on these electronic iPads of yours, um, all this technology today. Uh, right, so I want to talk about if you think reading is important. What do you think about it? Do you think it's important? Do you think it's helpful to be able to read? So this is a podcast, so you need to talk instead of nod your head, yeah? Yes, it's very important. And you know what I'm going to ask you now, don't you? Mm. W-H-Y. Oh, right, why? Yeah, why do you think it's important? Informational texts are better, but comics just help you learn words and speak. Okay, so it helps you with information, right? Informational texts only. Learning, okay, through informational texts, okay. Don't know where that's come out of. And then comics and stuff, they help you to learn to... Words. You said to speak, right? Words and speaking. Okay, that's important. We don't seem to be speaking very well today. Um, yeah. Anyway, maybe you're just a bit nervous because the microphone's on. Yeah? Would I be right? Are you a bit nervous? Mm. My voice is usually very speaky and squeaky on electronic things, so yeah. Mm, normally you can't stop talking. It's strange, isn't it? When we do a podcast, you stop. Um, does it help with your spelling, do you think, Zach? How's your spelling with reading? Do you think being able to read well helps? Ah, Confucius say very good. Right. So that means it does help with spelling. Yeah? Okay, he's nodding. Yeah. Yeah. He's nodding, listeners. All right, okay. Now... Let's talk about other people then that might be learning reading um, a little bit, you know, in terms of levels, a little bit lower than where you are at the moment, Zach. So I'd, I'd like you to really try and speak about this. If someone's listening and needs help, Zachariah, with improving their reading skills, what would you advise them to do? Read my books. Okay, he's just walking off, listeners. He's just walking off. Uh, read more books, did you say? Right, okay. So I think what you're saying is to be good at reading, you just need to read more. Mm. Ah, fountain of knowledge, which is quite wonderful. 
and um, read more informational text, do flashcards, um, put put um, your hand on two flashcards once your dad tells you them, even if you're um, 42 and you don't know reading, still do that. And my grandma definitely needs some help with that, so. <laughs> do, you, do you know many people who are 42 and can't read, Zach? Um, no, uh, I only know one. Oh, you're just using your own imagination there, then. It's just popped out. Okay, I think grandma can read quite well, just in her defence, if she is listening uh, to this podcast. Okay, let's talk about challenges, reading challenges. Do you have any challenges of reading, or, or did you have any challenges learning no. to read? No, no, and no. No challenges at all? No. I think sometimes... Um, maybe you forgot this, when we read together, you can be a little bit fast and, you know, your, your flow um, can be hindered because you're going too fast. You know, when you have a full stop, you're meant to pause and a comma. And I wonder, is that because you just can't be bothered or you just want to play on your iPad? Um, I just can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered. Is that because maybe the story's not very fun or...? Yeah. Right, okay. You must find some things difficult though in reading. What do you find difficult? Because even though, you know, like we read well, it's still... Staying entertained is a bit hard with just word books and picture books. So you like the pictures as well as the words, right? It could be a bit boring with just words. Uh-huh. But I mean, sometimes, say when you read like uh, a high-level book with not pictures, and you can't understand a lot of the words because maybe they might be kind of big words you've not seen before, that could make it frustrating, right? Yeah. Because you're not really understanding the total. Sound them out. Sound them out. Break the words down, yeah? That's a, well, that's a, a great tip. Also, if there are any short words that you don't know, flip the first letter, like four-letter words, to a word that you do know, but like cook with book, you don't know how to spell book. You just flip the B with a C and C with a B. And what does that help you with? Spelling. Okay, this is for spellings, yeah. I mean, I always think... Reading, if you can read well, and then you have to spell a word, if you can imagine the word as you're reading, then it can come into your, into your brain or mind, can't it, to be able to spell it. Do, do you use that sometimes when you're spelling? Do you think of what it looks like on the page? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Let's move on, because I think we need to. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to... For our listeners, I, I've prepared some words for you. Um, that you've not seen before. I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a test just to see. How, how old are you, Zach? Again, I can't remember. Some. You, you, you're 20, aren't you? Six. Six, okay, six. So it's a couple of years since we did This the... year I'm seven. Yeah, this August, year. August, 22nd. Okay, so let's, let's, start with, um, let's start with this long word here. What does, uh, what, what, what does this say? Expectation. Okay, one more time. Expectation. Yes, expectation. I had an expectation today that you would talk more and, and give us some real interesting nuggets of 
Information. Here's another one. Realization. Realization. One more I, time. Realization. I am not good at that because I'm very clumsy. I am not good at that. <laughs> I am not good at that. What do you think realization means? Realizing something like a little bump on the road so, so you don't trip on it. Well, okay. You, you put a little stone on the floor, I'll trip on it. That is bad realization. <laughs> I'm having a realization that I should probably stop doing podcasts. Um, okay, what about that again? You said expectation. Do you know what that means? Yes, it means you expect something to come to you. Yeah. That's one okay. word. Next one. Ooh. Tough one. Break it down. Amidectious. Okay, one more time. Amidectious. Okay, let's go slower. Amidectious. One more time. Amidectious. Okay, you're forgetting this letter. Am- ambidextrous. Okay, good. Ambidextrous. I'm ambidextrous. You're ambidextrous, are you? It means that you can use both hands to right and both hands to left, to both legs to kick. Yeah, in football, what's your best foot though? What's the strongest foot? Right. Right foot. So you're ambidextrous, but your strong foot's your right foot, yeah. I'm a strong hand to my left, right? Strong hand to your right, yeah. Okay. Next one. Oh, dear. This is a word. Catastrophe. Yeah, one more time. Catastrophe. Yeah, it is a catastrophe, isn't it? If we don't do a podcast together, so when you become older and a young man, you can listen back and be really embarrassed. It'd be a catastrophe if we didn't do it, wouldn't it? Would you like to, do you know what catastrophe means? Uh huh, like a big problem or yeah. something. Yeah, a big problem or something, yeah. I oh. thought of American school, that big American. Obnoxious. <laughs> Listeners, I hadn't even put the thing you saw it back to front there. Obnoxious. Oh, ob- yeah. obnoxious. Yeah, let's not go into the meaning of that. Yeah, I think mean, it's pretty self explanatory. And we're back to expectation. Great expectations, Charles Dickens, great book. Have you read Great Expectations yet, by the way? Mm-hmm. Charles Dickens, surely you haven't. Um, you know, in those days, those authors. Oh, yes, I've read They that. were paid by the, by the word. So if you wrote a story with lots of words, you get more money. So that's why in that period of time, all the authors wrote huge books. And Charles Dickens knows how to write huge books. Okay, wonderful, Zach. Well done. If I could give you a round of applause, I'd give. Maybe we could put it in on a podcast later, you know, fake one or something. Uh, You know, I'm immensely proud of your reading ability from wherever it comes from. Okay, so we've held up some long words. How did you know those long words, though? I mean... How, some of them uh, you've never seen before. So, uh, how did you read it? Well, number one, I've seen. I I look. I probably looked in a dictionary the day before, and I saw those words. Oh, oh hang on a minute. Are you, are you suggesting to the listeners that I showed you these before we came on to do this podcast? No, I just saw them. Right, you just saw them, but you said you saw them in a dictionary. No, I saw them, then I looked in a dictionary. Okay. Well, you didn't look at a dictionary. You don't have a dictionary. Yeah, I did. I looked in the Oxford dictionary. When? Yesterday. But how did you know to look at these words yesterday? I've only just given you them now. Oh, I got my ways. I think your imagination's taken over again, isn't it? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, listeners, I certainly didn't give him any expectation. 
um, pun, no pun intended. Or to, seen oh, them in a book. You've not seen them for sure. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you read something else. I've seen them inside a book. Right. Okay. But my point is, these words, if you haven't seen them before, which I really feel you haven't seen most of them, how do you read them? How do you look at it? Because you might look at it and go, oh my gosh, I can't read that. So what do you do to, to sound it out? Chunk it up. Chunk it up, yeah? Into the different parts, the sounds of the word, yeah? So take this one, for example. How would you say it? X. Pucked. Okay. Expectation. Okay, so you've broken it up kind of into its syllable sounds, yeah? Okay, self-explanatory, I'm sure. And as readers, of course, grow, um, they start to be able to break down longer words, and after a while, they can read every word going very easily and fluently. Soon you'll probably be able to sound that onomatopoeia, which I can already sound out. You can sound out onomatopoeia? Onomatopoeia. Would you be able to spell it? Yeah. Okay. That's really good stuff. I can prove it. Can you give me an example of onomatopoeia? It means... It means sound words yeah. that aren't really words, but it actually sound like words. Give me an example. Bang, which is kind of like... Bang. Okay, what about this one? Plop. 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 Fish. Fish. Plop. But a plop, when the water yeah. falls, the word plop actually sounds a bit like what it sounds like, which is on the matter pair, right? Am I right? Yeah. Okay, great. I can spell it now. O N M A T P O E I A. Right. Okay. Well, uh, researchers, maybe you could just confirm that with us uh, later. That would be uh, that would be marvelous. Okay. So, Zach, how are you going to use these great reading skills for the good as you grow up and become an adult? How are you going to use your reading skills? I'll lock them away so nobody can take them. Right. Interesting. I think the point was, how are you going to develop them? How are you going to make them better? Read more books. Read more books, yeah. And have more eggs, have more carrots. Eggs. Eggs are good for reading, are they? Um, carrots are better, so soon I won't have to have a torch for reading. Oh, you, you, you prescribe to the belief that carrots make you see more, yeah? In the dark. Yeah, well, we haven't talked about that, but I would suggest that's a lot of poppycock. What does that mean if I say it's a lot of poppycock? Just, just, you can't see a whole bunch of junk. Yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense. I, 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 if we did a test on that, people eating carrots, I reckon they wouldn't be able to see better in the dark. People that see in the dark after a while is because some light is coming through cracks in the door or in the curtain, and um, our eye cells become adapted to them, be able to take in a little bit of that light. That's why we see a little bit of a glimmer of something in the dark but no one can see in the dark if it's actual dark and there's no light where are we going with this okay so good you're not going to lock them up you're going to read more books which is fantastic i look forward to that and reading with you i am going to lock them up right is this before you take over the world um no i'll lock them up before university so i would never need to use them again because I'm going to become a video game designer and what does a video game designer need involved of take, taking words? What? Right. Okay, what's with the accent? Ah, this is, this Confucius say very good accent. Right. Okay, very apt. Finally, 
Now, be serious when I ask you this, okay? Okay. When I say the word, I want you to... The first things that come in your mind, I want you to let it out, okay? When I say the word, imagination, what does it mean to you? Imagination. Soldiers, knights, ninjas, trees, some birds, nothing else. Do you have imagination? Mm-hmm. Everybody does, just maybe not the right one. Do you use imagination every day? Yeah, most of the time. Just not on weekends or breaks. Well, what do you do Sometimes. on weekends? Would you lock it away like you want to the stories, books? Yeah. Everyone has imagination. Yeah, like I said. Yeah, but maybe... Just, just in, Maybe. Just in a different form. Different forms. Maybe some people use it more than others. Uh-huh. Yeah? Okay, anyway, next. In the book Magical Parent, Magical Child, they describe a form of creativity, one in which we actively participate, as imagination. Einstein knew that imagination was more important than knowledge. He understood that our greatest discoveries and most profound works of art are created and refined first in the inner world we call imagination. Far from being a waste of time, the daydreams and fantasies of childhood build the foundation for all higher learning. Yet, imagination is rarely developed. The model imperative holds true for imagination as it does for all other capacities. Provide a well-developed adult model, an enriched, challenging environment, and the child spontaneously and playfully responds. No external model or environmental challenge, no development. The dictionary defines imagination as the ability to create images not present to the sensory system. The environmental challenges or stimuli that evoke these inner images are descriptive words, symbols and metaphors. Doesn't that sound similar to reading? Of the many changes impacting childhood, one of the most dramatic is early language environment. In 1991, Newsweek reported that the typical teen in 1950, before television, had a spoken vocabulary of 25,000 different words. Today's teens have vocabularies of 10,000 words, which implies a corresponding reduction in critical and creative thinking skills. Sagging syntax, sloppy semantics and fuzzy thinking begins Chapter 5 of Jane Healy's wonderful book, Endangered Minds, Why Children Don't Think and What We Can Do About It. Healy describes how language skills, verbal and written, organise and define how we think. Rich and varied language skills translate into greater capacity to understand abstract concepts, perceive ratio and relationships, to think critically and creatively. All are byproducts of imagination. Writing is the road test for language, as a vehicle for thought, she goes on to explain. An alarming number of students coming off our linguistic assembly lines are failing it. Very few of our students can write well, states Archie Ela Point, Executive Director of the National Assessment of Educational Progress. Most students, majority and minority alike, are unable to write adequately except in response to the simplest of tasks. Well-reasoned and well-organised writing proceeds from a mind trained to use words analytically. No matter how good, how creative or how worthy a student's ideas, their effectiveness is constrained by the language in which they are wrapped. The verbal tools that clarify relationship in reading and writing do the same job in math, and studies of children with exceptional mathematical talents often reveal similarly high verbal skills. 
Well, if someone came down like a wizard and put a spell on you and took your imagination away, yeah, or locked it up, what do you think it would be like to live with no imagination? Just try and imagine that if a wizard came down. I am the imagination wizard. And your imagination goes. What would it be like, do you think? Horrible. Horrible? Why would it be horrible? Well, number one, I can't see my dreams myself. Right. I can't make my dreams. Because imagination comes from my brain and dreams come from my brain too. Just come from your brain? Brain and body. Yeah? Okay. So we really need our imagination, don't we? Mm-hmm. Well, as long as it's... Okay, we might forget about that. Next! Sorry, am I keeping you? Have you got an agenda? You've got scheduled, busy schedule today? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I have to watch Sheep of Belly Dozen, and then I have to watch um, Black Shadows, then I have to watch, um, what's it called again? Star Trek 2. On what? On RTP. Ah, now that's good that you wrap we this also, up around. We also have to watch Jumanji, so chat chat. Right. I have to say that you've linked in very well to a large part of what this podcast is going to be about when we pull it together, and I hope it is kind of um, understandable for the listeners. Um, and that is the use of technology today does seem to be, how do I say, pushing certain things such as reading out of the window, so to speak. ask this question as we wrap this up bringing in this idea of increased technology uh, it's everywhere around us iPads, TVs, mobile phones computer screens it's just we're becoming swarmed with electromagnetic frequencies from everywhere you're a good reader but you also like to do a lot of technology stuff so here's my question do you enjoy more a good book or a good game on your iPad. And let me flip it one more time. Do you enjoy more a good game on your iPad or a good book? What would be your answer to that, Zachariah? Um, I like, I, I can't choose. I can't choose. I'm very pleased you said that. So you both enjoy doing them a lot, yeah? Well, a good book to me would be one by David Walliams. He's your good, he's a favourite author at the moment, isn't he? Can you recommend a book from him? Um, I haven't read all of them, but um, I recommend all of the ones I've read. Yeah. I've read... Okay. I recommend... If um, you don't like horror movies, don't read Demon Dentist. Do not. Okay. Do not. Okay. Um, if... If you want a friend, Billionaire Boy is a good book for you. Is that David William? Yeah. Um, and if uh, you're homeless, you might want to read Mr. Stink. If you're homeless, right? Yeah, and if you're a normal person, just read, you know, um, Awful Auntie. And these are all books for David Williams? Yeah. 
And if you're awful, if you're awful as an auntie too, read awful auntie. Awful auntie is in an aunt, right? Okay, great stuff. Thank you for those recommendations. Now, what about your favourite game then? Because you say you like playing on technology and computer games as well as play, reading a good, good book. So, what's a good game at the moment to recommend? I could keep this going on forever. Well, just one. Um, Clash Royale. Clash Royale. Okay, there you go. So, David William books and Clash Royale. Thank you very much, Zach, for coming on. And, um, Keep up the great work we're reading. Have you got anything else to say before we go? No. Okay. Surprisingly, Healy found that despite incontrovertible evidence that children who read well come from homes where reading is a prominent part of life, most parents do not read themselves. 80% of the books in this country are read by about 10% of the people. The proportion of readers in the United States is continuing to become smaller, with a steady and significant decline in the number of book readers under 21, according to Dr Bernice Cullinan of New York University. She reports on one large group of typical fifth graders queried about the average time spent reading outside of school. 50% read for four minutes a day or less, 30% for two minutes per day or less, 10% read nothing. This same group of children watched an average of 130 minutes of television per day. Yet, as Cullinan reminds us, children become good, insightful, analytic readers only by lots of practice with reading. Our society is becoming increasingly illiterate, says Cullinan. An illiterate person is one who knows how to read, but who doesn't choose to read. These are the people who glance at the headlines of a newspaper and grab the TV schedule. They do not read books for pleasure, nor do they read extensively for information. We cite this example because it draws attention to three critical issues. One, the relationship adult models have with written language. Two, the profound shift from the use of descriptive words to graphic images to communicate, which we see most dramatically in the shift from family conversation, storytelling, and the golden days of radio, to television and computers. And three, how these two influences, the model and the environment, conspire to affect brain development and behaviour. Descriptive words, symbols and metaphors act as nutrients. They challenge and feed the developing brain, growing and expanding the, the capacity for imagination. Television and computer images being concrete rather than abstract forms are like junk food in this respect, empty calories that displace nutrients needed for growth. The particular centres of the brain necessary for critical and creative thinking are not engaged while a person is viewing television and computer screens. A diet lacking abstract symbols and metaphors result in, regard, in retarded growth of these brain centres. With all, all development, the later stages are built upon and embedded the formatted stages. And that's why we should do more reading and less watching TV. Do you agree? Yeah. The presence and development of imagination, or lack thereof, profoundly affects everything that follows, and descriptive language, which we engage fully with when reading, is the key. You could say there is the right way to do just about everything, and if life doesn't conform to the expected standard, well, you know what happens next. Conflict, frustration and anger. Research found the same to be true of children. 
Children who developed imagination and play were less aggressive and violent than those who did not. Stuart Brown's research with convicted felons showed a similar correlation between the absence of imagination and play and aggression. Retaining our childlike capacities as we mature, curiosity, playfulness, willingness to experiment, flexibility, humour, receptiveness to new ideas and a lifelong eagerness to learn all involve imagination. Each time we respond to a child or to the world with these qualities, we are developing these qualities. Turning off the television is a great way to begin developing imagination. For many, this represents a major challenge, which drives home the point of how addictive we have become to counterfeit imagery. Reading aloud age-appropriate literature with children helps. Talking to children during meals, describing one's own childhood experiences, inventing stories, planning, imagining a vacation, any use of descriptive language to create images, shared meaning and undreamed of possibilities expand the field of imagination and all that it holds. So listeners, we come towards the end of this episode. The answers and factors at play in how best to teach literacy and reading are seemingly not so easy. Scientific papers will continue to be published and books will continue to be printed on this subject and no doubt many more acronyms will be phrased and trademarked describing a new and innovative technique that will take a young one to the shining gates of literacy, intellectuality, palace. I, however, will use this well-known acronym, KISS, with one S. How ironic considering we're discussing literacy. K for keep, I for it, and S for simple. Keep it simple. And here's how. By focusing on creativity and imagination. By focusing on creativity and imagination. By focusing on creativity and imagination. Which will provide the perfect baked bean recipe for your child to become a literacy reading heavyweight superstar. In fact, there'll only be time for breakfast because they'll be too busy having fun to even think about lunch or dinner. Yes, make our young ones enjoy picking up a book as much as picking up a digital or medical tablet. Take your young horses to the water and let them jump into wet rabbit holes. And if they can't fit, get a spade out and make the hole wider. Be their guide on the side and just be there when they look back to ask a question or hesitate to move forward because they need a silent nod or expression of worth, encouragement and appreciation. Actually, let me make it even simpler for you. Just let the child play. Oh, and that means play with them too. You see, to me, life's a game. And to be part of the game, which you are, you have to play. As the book Magic Parent, Magical Child notes, each and every form of play is an exercise in metaphoric, symbolic thinking, the foundation of all literacy and higher learning. In my current school, I see a distinct lack of imagination in my students whilst in class, but when they play freely outside, I see it in abundance. And so I end with a message to all parents of young children, a message that my wife found and sent me on my phone, and one which made strange tears of both joy and sadness fall from my eyes. I trust it will do the same for you. When you first have children, they talk about the challenges of parenting, the struggles of a baby waking in the night, 
the toddler who won't stay in their bed, the cost of childcare, injuries from sports. Having to take off work to pick them up from school when they don't feel well, helping them with homework, a messy house, a never-ending laundry, the cost to buy school clothes, packing their lunches. You watch their eyes light up on Christmas morning and try to soak in the magic of those moments. You coach them in sports, rush into practices and ball games, and perhaps take them all over the country to let them play the game they love, no matter how exhausting or expensive it becomes. Life is just so busy that you rarely even stop to think what the end of those days look like. In fact, it's not really even something you can wrap your mind around. You go into it thinking that 18 to 20 years sounds like a long time. Then suddenly hours turn into days, days into months, and months into years. That little person that used to crawl up next to you in bed and cuddle up to watch cartoons suddenly becomes this young adult who hugs you in the hallway as they come and go. And the chaos and laughter that used to echo throughout your home gets filled with silence and solitude. You've learned how to parent a child who needs you to care for and protect them, but have no clue how the whole letting go thing is supposed to work. So you hold on as tight as you can, wondering how time passed so quickly, feeling guilty that you missed something. Because even though you had 20 years, it just somehow doesn't seem like it was enough. You ask yourself so many questions. Did you teach them the right lessons? Did you read them enough books as a child? Spend enough time playing with them? How many school parties did you have to miss? Do they really know how much you love them? What could I have done better as a parent? When it's time for them to go, it all hits you like a ton of bricks. And all you can do is pray, hope, and trust that God, the great creator, source, will protect them as they start to make their way into the world alone. Parenting is by far the most amazing experience of your life, that at times leaves you exhilarated, while others leaves you heartbroken. But one thing is certain, it's never enough time. So for all the parents with young children, whose days are spent trying to figure out how to make it through the madness, exhausted day in and day out, soak it all in. Because one day, all those crazy days full of cartoons, snuggles, sleepovers, Christmas morning magic, ball games, practices and late night dinners all come to an end. And you're left hoping that you did enough right so that when they spread their wings, they'll fly. I'd like to thank my son Zachariah for helping me to make this podcast and also a book that I've quoted from throughout this episode titled Magical Parent, Magical Child, The Art of Joyful Parenting by Michael Mendeza with Joseph Chilton Pierce, author of Magical Child. If you enjoy listening to the China Jedi podcast and want to get involved, either by asking a question, expressing your opinion, good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.